If you have your Bible today, open it, please, to the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 24. I want us to begin by looking at a verse, and what I'm going to do today, I want to take something. I seldom repeat something this close together, but I want to take a message that I did last Wednesday night and simplify it and condense it and, and, pre- and preach that message today. Now, I'm, I'm hesitant to do this because some of you were there last Wednesday night. Most of you weren't, but some of you might have been there last night. But I was thinking, you know, the ones who were there, it's been several days, almost a week, they've probably forgot what I said by now. Some of them slept through it the first time. So, But anyway, I want us to think today about Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, we read an interesting verse. This is on Resurrection Sunday, a little later in the day, and Jesus has found these two disciples, not two of the 12, but two others of his disciples. And he could tell that they were discouraged and they were sad and they were going back to their home in Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem, the old Emmaus road. If you've been to Israel, you've seen that road and you may have walked on that road. We have. But in verse 27, as Jesus begins to talk to these discouraged disciples and help them to understand that he is the risen Messiah, that he has risen from the dead. They were discouraged because they thought that Jesus was the Messiah and he had been buried and they thought he was still dead. And so he reveals himself to them. And beginning in verse 27, notice what it says. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them or he explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, these followers of Jesus had not understood who the Messiah really was. The Jewish people of that time had assumed, and they had certainly hoped, that the Messiah would be the one who would deliver them from Roman oppression and Roman bondage. And so they were looking for a political king, a political Messiah, and they wanted that leader to come in and break them free from Roman oppression. Well, Jesus was not a political leader. Now, one day he's coming back to the earth and he will be a political leader. He will rule and reign with a rod of iron from Jerusalem. That day's coming, but not yet. Jesus knew that before he became a political ruler, as it were, he had to be a spiritual deliverer. And so he was helping them to understand that the Messiah had to suffer. The Messiah had to die and the Messiah had to rise from the dead and that he, in fact, had done that. And this verse, is only one verse. We wish that it would give us everything that Jesus said to these two disciples. But all it says is, beginning with Moses. Now remember, Moses wrote the first five books in the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Beginning in Moses and all through the prophets. Jesus took a little time there and he helped them to understand how in each book of the Bible... He was represented. He was prophesied about. And so in the Old Testament, what do we have? We have glimpses of Jesus. We have pictures of Jesus. We have hints about Jesus. In the New Testament, Jesus is clearly revealed. Some people have the idea that the Old Testament is about God and the New Testament is about Jesus. Well, that's wrong. 
And the reason that's wrong is Jesus is God. And so Jesus is in the Old Testament just like he's in the New Testament. Some people have the idea, well, the Old Testament is about the holiness and the judgment and the wrath of God. And the New Testament is about the love and the mercy and the grace of God. That's wrong too. All those things are in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's just that in the Old Testament, Jesus is not as easy to identify as he is in the New Testament. And so last Wednesday, when I was thinking about that, we were going to be thinking about that last Wednesday night, I started thinking about the different books in the Old Testament. And I started thinking about, now, where is Jesus in this book? And where is Jesus in that book? And so I just got a little piece of paper. It turned out to be more than one piece of paper. And I started thinking and got my Bible, and I'd look certain things up. And so, for example, in Genesis, now in Genesis, we see Jesus all through that book. In Genesis, for example, we read that Jesus is the creator of the world, and he's the seed of the woman. Not only that, Jesus is Noah's ark of safety. That ark protected the people from the judgment of God. They were in the ark. They were safe. We're in Christ. We're safe and protected from the judgment of God. In Genesis, we also see that Jesus is Abraham's ram caught in the thicket who died in Isaac's place. He's Jacob's ladder, and he's seen in the story of Joseph. Think about Joseph. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was falsely accused. And then at the right time, he was highly exalted, and he became the deliverer of the people. And so even in the life of Joseph, we see a picture. We see a glimpse of the Lord Jesus. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. Not only that, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. He's also in Exodus, the manna from heaven. He's water from the rock and he's the rock itself. Think about it as we just go through those first two books of the Bible and we go on. In Leviticus, he's the sacrifice for our sins. He's the great high priest and it is his blood that washes our sins away. In the book of Numbers, he's the bronze serpent on a pole, and he promises if we'll look to him in faith that we'll be saved and we'll be healed from our spiritual sickness and our spiritual disease. In Deuteronomy, who is Jesus there? He's the prophet who's greater than Moses. In Joshua, he's the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he's the angel who appeared to Gideon. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he's the one who anointed David as king and empowered him to slay the giant. In 2 Samuel, he forgave David for all of his sins. In 1 and 2 Kings, we learn that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In 1 and 2 Chronicles, we learn that Jesus' kingdom never ends. It's an eternal kingdom, and it never, ever ends. In Ezra, who is Jesus? He's the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the restorer of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he is the protector of his people. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. In Job, I have to go back and try to catch up there. In Job, who is Jesus? He's the living redeemer who brings indescribable good out of the worst possible bad. In Psalms, the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom and he's also the friend who sticks closer than a brother. In Ecclesiastes, he gives meaning to life and he prevents us and keeps us from spending our lives chasing the wind 
and saying, vanity of vanity, all is vanities. In Song of Solomon, who is he there? He's our heavenly bridegroom. In Isaiah, as we come to the prophets, Jesus is the promised Messiah. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. He's the suffering servant who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. In Jeremiah, he's the potter sitting patiently at the wheel, molding us and shaping us into the people he wants us to be. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet, but he's also the one whose mercies are new every morning. In Ezekiel, he's the river of life who brings healing to everything it touches. In Daniel, you would have guessed this one, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband who's pursuing his unfaithful bride. In Joel, he restores the years that the locust has eaten and he pours out his spirit on his people. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. That's what the name Amos means. In Obadiah, he gets the last word on evil. In verse 15 of that one chapter book, we read these words, as you have done, it will be done to you. In Jonah, his salvation is for all the people of all the nations of the world, no matter how wicked they may have been. In Micah, we read that he would be born in Bethlehem and that he would cast our sins into the depths of the sea. In Nahum, we find my favorite verse in the Bible, chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Uh, Habakkuk. Did I say Habakkuk? No, let's do Habakkuk now. In Habakkuk, he reminds us that the just shall live by faith. In Zephaniah, he rejoices over us with singing. In Haggai, he's the desire of all nations. In Zechariah, he's the opened up fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood, and that blood lose all their guilty stains. And in, and in uh, Malachi, he's the risen son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And so there's Jesus from Genesis all the way through the book of Malachi. Now, when Jesus was talking to those disciples on that day, we don't know for sure what he said to them. If I, I, he had to say something similar to what I've just said. But the point is, all through the Old Testament, we see pictures and we see glimpses of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, turn in the Old Testament to the book of Joshua, because this is what I want us to focus on today. It's what we focused on last Wednesday night. And let me say this. Beginning tomorrow night, we're going to take about three or four Wednesday nights. I know A lot of you come on Wednesday nights. Some of you might be doing other things, and that's okay. But for the next three or four Wednesday nights, we're going to begin in Genesis, and we're going to take about maybe six or eight books a week, and we're going to learn who Jesus was in all those books. And we're going to give you a handout, and you can take that. And I believe before we get to Thanksgiving, we've got six Wednesday nights before Thanksgiving, and I don't think it'll take all six. But before we get to Thanksgiving, hopefully everybody that comes to those services can look at all those books in the Bible, memorize the books, and memorize who Jesus is in all those books in the Bible. Now, in Joshua chapter number 20, we read how when the children of Israel had come into the promised land. Actually, this begins in Numbers before they came in the promised land. And in Joshua, now they are in the promised land. And we read that God had told Moses to establish six cities of refuge. That's why Jimmy was singing about the Lord is our refuge. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And so 
God had said to Moses, set up six cities of refuge. Why? So that if anybody commits an unintentional sin, if, for example, they kill somebody accidentally. Here you have a group of men, and they're out working, and they're, they're chopping down trees. And as one man is chopping down a tree, the axe head accidentally flies off the axe, and it hits one of his co-workers in the head, and it kills him. That's not murder. That was, that's accidental They didn't intend for that to happen. And so God said, Moses, what I want you to do is put aside, set aside six cities of refuge so that when somebody does something like that, they can run to one of these cities and they can be safe and they can be protected from from the family of that one who was killed because it was not an intentional thing at all. Now, beginning in verse 7 of Joshua chapter 20, we read the names of these six cities of refuge. And as I have thought about this, and last week as I began to look up these Hebrew words, these Hebrew names, these cities, and I began to think, uh, and, and not just think, I began to look up in dictionaries, what do these words mean? In each of these words, I find a hint, a glimpse, a picture of Jesus, so that These cities of refuge are something in the Old Testament that point us to Jesus. Now, I think we have, before we get into this, I think we have a map here. And if you've been to Israel, you certainly recognize that map. And even if you haven't been, you would. These six cities, beginning with Kadesh or Kedesh, sometimes K-A, sometimes K-E, all the way, Shechem, Hebron, Bezer, Ramoth, and Golan. Jerusalem is not one of the six cities. They put it there so you give some perspective of that. But let's look at the names of these beginning in verse 7. Let's think about what they mean. First of all, so they appointed Kadesh in Galilee in the mountains of Naphtali. Now, what does the name Kadesh or Kadesh mean? It literally means the sacred place, the holy place, the sanctuary. And so we certainly know that Jesus Christ is our holiness. I read a verse on Saturday morning that I don't think I had ever paid any attention to. In Isaiah chapter 45, down in verse 24, Isaiah said this. Now, I want you to listen to this. Surely in the Lord I have righteousness and strength. Can we say that together? Surely in the Lord I have righteousness and strength. In other words, our righteousness is not in us. It's not in ourselves, it's in the Lord. And so this city, Kedesh, that talks about the holiness of God, what do we do there? We go to him with our sins. See, back in Bible times, these cities of refuge were if you had committed an unintentional sin. But we today have committed intentional sins. We have done things deliberately wrong, and yet we can bring our sins to Jesus, and in him we find our safe place, and we find the forgiveness of all of our sins. So I think the word Kadesh refers to Jesus in that way. He's our holiness. And look at the next city in that same verse, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim. What does Shechem mean? It literally means shoulder. And so I started thinking now, What does a shoulder, how does that refer to to the Lord? Well, sometimes in life, we all need a shoulder to cry on. And that's who Jesus is. We can go to him with our problems and our concerns, and he is our, he's our shoulder to lean on and our shoulder to cry on. And then it says in Kerjoth Arba, which is Hebron in the mountains of Judah. What does Hebron mean? It means friend. 
And the verse in Proverbs, he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so I think even in the name Hebron, we see a picture of Jesus. And then in verse 8, we read this city, Bezer. And what does it mean? It means that he is our fortress, that Jesus Christ is our fortress in life. Sometimes we all feel afraid and Maybe we're worried or maybe we're anxious or maybe we're scared. And we need a safe place. And that's who Jesus is. And then in verse 8, down on farther, it says, Ramoth in Gilead. Ramoth means the heights. Sometimes in life, we feel like we're sinking. I always think when we have a big rain coming to town, I think of Psalm 69 in verse 1 where the psalmist said, Save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my neck. And sometimes you, you may feel that way. They feel, I'm sinking in my life. Well, Ramoth is the high place. And that's who the Lord is for us. And then Golan, we know, we know about the Golan Heights. It literally means the place of rejoicing. And so I'm just saying today, when you read your Bible, I think one of the things, one of the reasons people maybe don't read their Bible as much as, as we all should we just think, man, there's so much I don't understand. Well, you know, I feel like that way too. There's so much I don't understand. And that's why I just keep reading it, to try to learn more. But remember this, when you're reading your Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, look for Jesus. He is hidden in these places. Now, as I think about that, I'm saying today that I believe these cities of refuge are Old Testament pictures of Jesus. Now, I know this. One day, I'm going to stand before God in heaven. And I'm going to say to God, Lord, did you, did you hear that Tuesday Bible lunch I did where I said that those, that those cities of refuge were pictures of you? Did you hear that? He said, yes, John, I heard that sermon. Now, he's going to say one of two things to me on that day. He's going to say, John, you got that just right. Those six cities of refuge were pictures of Jesus. Or he might say to me, you know, I heard that sermon, and I'll be honest with you, I never had thought about that before. <laughs> but that was interesting how you said that. Well, even if he says that, which I don't think he will, but even if he says that, you would have to agree with me that the application of this sermon is certainly true. Think about this. In the person of Jesus Christ, you know, it says in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I think you would have to agree with me that in all of our sins and all the times we mess up in life, aren't you, like I am, aren't you thankful that we have a holy place we can run to and be forgiven of our sins? You know, in life, when we're, when we're weary and, and we're sad and we're going through a hard time, aren't you glad we have a shoulder to lean on in Jesus? When we feel lonely and like we don't have a friend in the world, aren't you thankful today that Jesus is our friend who sticks closer than a brother? And when we get afraid, and worried, and thinking something bad's going to happen, aren't you glad that in him we have a fortress who protects us from all those things in life? And, and those times in life when, when we all sometimes feel like we're sinking emotionally or mentally, or maybe you feel like you know, financially you're sinking as we're all watching our 401Ks become 201Ks, right? They're just going down, down. Man, I'm sinking now. Well, I'm glad we have a high place that, that he saves us when the waters come up to our neck. And, you know, all of that should lead us to rejoice and to be thankful to the Lord. You know, today you may say, well, John, I've confessed all my sins and I know he's forgiven me, so I'm not living in guilt. Well, that's great. You may say, John, at this time in my life, I don't really feel lonely. I know the Lord's with me. I'm not really afraid. I'm trusting in him or, you know, I, I, don't, feel, I don't feel like I'm sinking. I just feel like the Lord's put me on some sure ground. 
give me a sure footing out there. Well, that's great. Well, if you just feel like that, run to him in a time of rejoicing. Like that leper who was healed, take the time to go back to Jesus and to thank him for his blessing in your life. And so, Father, today, I, I just thank you that even though sometimes we read our Bibles and we feel like, well, now what does this mean? And Lord, we, none of us know all of it, and we're still learning and trying to learn the Bible better. But God, help us to know that from the first verse in Genesis, literally the first verse in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus, you are God. Until the very last verse in Revelation, I thank you that this book is all about you. And I just pray today, as we go about our Tuesday, that you would give us an awareness of your presence. And Lord, for every person here today, different people, different needs represented. And God, today, I pray that for some on this day, they'll find forgiveness. Others, Lord, in you, they would find a friend. Others would find that you could save them from those sinking feelings. And God, that others would find a fortress in their time of fear and anxiety. God, whatever it is that we need today, I pray that we would find that in your Son, in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and all the people said, Amen. Amen.